What's going on, guys? This is the Founder Hour After Hours. I'm your co-host, Pat. I'm Posh. And this is the After Hours, in case this is the first time you're tuning into the After Hours. We don't do these as often as we used to, Yeah, unfortunately, but this is when we kind of We're busy and famous now, so <laughs> there's much. not a lot of time that we can you know, overlap. Pretty much, pretty much. Uh, this is the time when Posh and I uh, get together and just ramble on, talk about random shit and shit that's mm-hmm. on, our, on our mind and things that are happening out and about. Mm-hmm. In the in this in society, yep. um, so hope you guys enjoy. Uh, got some stuff on the on the menu today. Um, nice. What do we got? French fries, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, no, no French fries. No French um, fries. We're on a diet. Yeah, trying. We're trying to go uh, to the beach since we live in LA and the, the you know, LA summer diet. Got to get that beach bod on. Yeah, dad bod to beach bod. New Facebook page. Follow <laughs> us. Um, what do we got? What do we got? What do we got? I am trying to scroll through our Instagram and trying to see when's the last time we did an after hours. When is that? I think it was uh, April. April. Yeah, that was like probably wow. like eight episodes ago. So it's been a while. It's been a few Jeez. months. I feel like in that time, that's around like, the time. Yeah. Yeah. This was before. In that time, we've released like probably two of our two are actually two of our biggest episodes, which were Robert Green and Johnny Ray back to back. Johnny Ray is the founder of Howlin' Rays. Uh, those killed it, man. Yeah. Those killed, killed it. it. Amazing, amazing founders. Amazing founders, amazing stories, amazing conversations. If amazing you haven't tuned in, go well, for one it. One of them was food. Which right? One? Oh, yeah, Howlin' Rays. Howlin' Rays. If you consider that food. I mean, what else do you fucking consider it? Heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, sure, let's do it. Um, yeah, we had we had Howlin' Rays for the first time, and that was amazing. So, Yes. And that was last time, because... Well, well, since that time, he officially announced that they're coming to Pasadena. Yeah. So I think you know, he was like, uh, he was, he alluded to uh, it on our podcast. He, he said basically that. said it. Yeah. Basically, basically said, said it, it but yeah. it wasn't official, official. And then they yeah. made it official. So who else have we had on? We've had Christopher Gavin on again. Yes. Did you already say that? No. Yeah. Um, Lexi Pantera. Mm-hmm. Rob Go. Rob Go. Uh, Jason Worsland, founder of Theragun. Theragun, yeah. And for those, oh, I guess it's a good time to plug it in. If you listen to the episode, or you didn't, Jason, Dr. Jason Worsland, um, told us that we can give our listeners and our fans a 10% off discount code mm-hmm. for Theragun, and all you guys have to do is email us at hello at thefounderhour.com, or just send us a DM at thefounderhour, and we will send you, and we'll email you a 10% discount code. And you can take 10% off your Theragun. And me and Pat have been using it for a while now, and we love it. So if you guys want that, please let us know. And then most recently, we sat down with... Um, Ashley Merrill. Ashley Merrill, yeah. All right, so this one we could talk about a little bit. We can dissect this a little bit, I think. Um, in my opinion, I know it's tough to you know say stuff like this on the podcast. What do you want to say? What do you want to say? I think she was my favorite founder in terms of the founder that... I related the most to, mm-hmm. which is weird because we don't have much in common, right? Like man, woman, married, not married, you don't has a business. Where. Yeah, do I don't. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't I mean, know. Do you? I don't know about you. That, those, that's that's the after hour private hours. <laughs> oh shit! Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. That's not that's <laughs> not on this show, Pat. That's this is just the PG thirteen. Uh, sometimes are, um, but I think Ashley was fantastic. I think that. I mean, if you listen, I, I listened to the podcast actually three times. Really? Um, yeah. Because I thought that that was the one that gave me the most practical wisdom yeah. in terms of just even like explaining 
my thoughts of my future and my right. present and all that kind of stuff. And and it's funny because I feel like we just kind of approached it as as we always do, just kind of yeah. you know without really preparing much and just kind of <laughs> going in there and doing a conversation. So I, I think that speaks a lot to just her brilliance and like her ability to yeah. to like connect with who she's speaking to and like understanding with audiences and and I don't know, like she was really like super raw, super candid which was i really appreciate it because right. not everyone is like that right um and, and by the way this cool. doesn't this i'm not discounting any of the other founders yeah. that we've had on the show again like this is this is as if i were a fan of the podcast solely and not one of the co-hosts um and if i were listening to the founder hour it would have been the one so far that resonated the most with me i think we've had incredible founders obviously yeah. on there that have shared great wisdom my cat the reason i'm discussing this is because this is the one i felt the most like me yeah right that's it i'm not saying that anything else about anybody else i thought you know yeah uh, johnny Rezone, for example is fucking but I, I amazing think she was also relatable to a lot of folks who are in your position for example yeah. like are kind of in their right. late, mid to late 20s just right. kind of trying to figure out mm -hmm. what they're doing and uh you know she, she might not have the biggest brand name company that we've interviewed but not I yet like, i mean yeah not yet but I, I feel like a lot of people should just like still listen yeah uh you know you know just because you know, and, of, of what she has to say and i did even go out of my way and i think a lot of my friends that are listening probably now will tell you that like i, I maybe texted like 30 different uh friends of mine who are females yeah and i told and knowing that you know they are uh either current or future entrepreneurs themselves and i told them if they've never listened to a single episode listen to that one mm -hmm. and i know a lot of them did and they texted me after saying thank you for recommending that because like that hit close to home yeah right and in a positive way, not a negative way. So um, I think again, guy, girl, whatever, it doesn't matter. Listen to that episode because, and she came, she gave us this. Uh, we hadn't heard of it, but the concept of ikigai or whatever. Yeah, and, I've, I've I've yet to do it, but it's yeah, I haven't been able to do, to do it do. either. So definitely something that I want to check out. Ikigai essentially is like this Japanese concept that uh, I think translates to like the meaning of life or something like that. So it basically, it's like this like thing we talked about. Yeah. It was like a double Venn diagram. Uh, different areas of your life, things you're good at, things you're yeah. passionate about, things you might be able to get paid for. And it's all these things and you have to just kind of spend some time on it and fill it out. And then yeah. you kind of find the common, common, uh, commonalities between, you know, what you can I think get it was, paid for. Yeah. It was like the th what you, what you're good at, yeah. what you love, what the world needs and what, like what you could get paid for. Yeah. yeah. I haven't had a chance to do it yet either, but definitely something that I want to, definitely something I want to try out. So yeah, definitely have, I mean, if you guys haven't had a chance to listen to any of the, most recent episodes you know take your time listen to it and share your thoughts with us um i think that you know more so than the first year that we did this podcast we get a lot of feedback from yeah and you can find us on instagram yes. at, at the founder hour or yep. you can email us all right so let's dive into some topics that we want to discuss here pat yeah uh what are we gonna talk about let's see uh last week uh elon musk who we talk about i feel like a lot on this every podcast. every after hours yeah I mean, you're not. Talk a lot about Jeff Bezos. Jeff Bezos, Kanye West, <laughs> Kanye Elon Musk, West. top three. Uh, and, they're all, and they're all like LA-based, except all, Jeff. And they're all semi-crazy. No, well, Jeff is kind of uh, LA-based. <laughs> um, Elon uh, has another company that he... he <laughs> yes, he does has, have another company, aside from Idiot Tesla, Inc. Uh, SpaceX. Blue Origin of Jeff. No, yeah. Uh, it's called Neuralink. Oh, it's, this is a company? This is a company. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Uh, he's not the CEO, but he's the founder. Yeah, he just uh, he basically does these things where he creates these like white papers uh, out of his like mind. Like Hyperloop was one of them, and then other people go and yeah. create it. But he's he's very involved with this company, and he had a uh, he had like a presentation last week uh, about what they're building, 
And essentially what they're trying to do is I feel like something that everyone talks about all the time is how to control uh, technology with your mind or things with your mind. And that's exactly what he's doing. Uh, basically what he's doing is they're creating these like chips, essentially like microchips that I guess get drilled into your brain. Oh, good. Yeah. Uh, it sounds really scary. Probably is yeah, scary. I mean, yeah. I think they've been testing it already with like animals, like rats and stuff. Yeah, because rats and humans are, you know, just so like <laughs> right. And I think that uh, if I'm not, I think I read that they're they got approval or they're trying to get approval to try it on like paralyzed brains or something like that. Like, but they're going like, to try it on humans. People? Humans. I don't know about the living part. I think. Uh, but interesting though, a paralyzed he, person can't. Yeah, he consent. said that in the. Yeah, he said. It, Perhaps, yeah, maybe whoever the caretaker is or something like that. Um, I think that uh, they said that probably by next year they want to roll this thing out. Uh, so basically, it's like connect, uh, you'll be able to control your iPhone, right, or your computer, yeah. or even smart devices in your house with your mind. <laughs> I mean, I don't even know what to think about it. To be honest with you, I mean, obviously, I think it's a, I mean, it's an Elon Musk idea, you know. Actually, not really, but it's something that he would definitely want to work on. Um, it's something that he would go above and beyond to actually do. I feel like a lot of people talk about so? it, but it's like, yeah, because how there's so many things that people talk about. Like, I remember self-driving cars and this, but like he actually does these things. Like he right. does them. He he doesn't just I talk mean, about it. Yeah, I think I think self-driving cars is definitely something that he did. I think the whole um, boring company, for example, like right. I don't know if no what's happening. Like people that. talk about sol solving traffic in LA, but no one does anything I mean, about it. This guy's like, I mean, I don't know. They haven't done anything on. about it yet, right? But he's he's done more than the average person. Sure. Uh, but um, it's what this. I mean, this is really interesting because I'm curious to see if they actually pull this off and make it like a commercially available thing. It's probably yeah. going to be a while until. I mean, I just I don't think I would get it to be honest with you. I don't think like I need my brain to control my iPhone. Yeah. But um, but I was also reading that um, they're not the first company to do this. Um, mm. where they control the technology with your mind or brain or whatever. Uh, there was a company whose name I don't remember right now that I was reading about earlier that has done a similar thing or is working on a similar thing, sorry, um, but with wearable technology. Yeah. So no drilling. It's, it'll, it'll be non-invasive, essentially. Mm. And, I'm inter and I'm actually curious to know why Elon proposed an invasive route, considering that even in healthcare and medicine, we're very rapidly moving away from invasive surgery uh, right? from invasive technologies we're focused a lot on non-invasive because when you open somebody up the yeah. risk of everything else now increases well there's a lot of things happening with consumable like health tech like right um i have a friend actually shout out to greg who works at a company that that's pretty much what they're doing it's like this uh pill that you swallow yeah um that's right now it's di digestible but eventually i think we'll we'll be part of like it'll just well it'll be interesting if they could create a pill track. yeah yeah it'll be it'll be interesting if they could create a consumable that would go into the bloodstream of your brain but i don't know how that would happen yeah i mean i think that eventually they want to do it where it's kind of like the goal is probably to do it where it's kind of like a shot or something that interesting, doesn't yeah. you know you don't or like i think actually no i think that they said that the goal is to do with like laser technology or something like that where you, you don't actually drill it's like a tattoo yeah something like that maybe like pokes you but doesn't actually physically go into your skin i mean i'm just curious to see like you know if this happens and 
the one thing I just don't I don't understand. Maybe I'm I just I'm not really I haven't thought much about it, but is yeah. why. Yeah, and I think that's something that we can talk about more because I feel like the science and the, the technology behind it, obviously, like we're not scientists to yeah. understand it in depth, but higher level, um, I just, you know, it's it's leading. I think every all this technology is kind of trying to lead to a more efficient world where you have to worry less about doing like manual things. It's like, it's all automation, right? But what, what's kind of crazy is like, I feel like even now with like things like Siri where you can like, before you couldn't, actually tell them what you know yeah. ask them a question you yeah. have to type it out in google yeah even then like sometimes on the spot it's tough it's tough to formulate the right words like even when you're texting somebody like i don't know at least for me like when you're typing it you you get to actually think about it right when you're talking it in real time if you if you if you have a pause in your sentence then siri's gonna get all fucked up and be like i didn't understand what you said right right so i wonder how this is gonna work with thoughts like you're thinking it but Everyone's yeah. thought process is different, but it's not everyone thinks very clearly and articulately every single time on every single thing. Like, you know, I'm sure with certain things, you know, there there might be big consequences to the decisions you make right then and there. Right? When, right. If you're thinking something like, maybe I should text my wife this right now, or like my husband this right yeah. now, and like you don't think twice about it. Like, I think thinking twice, that's going to be really interesting. Like, how does that work? I mean, if it just sends like your setting, thoughts automatically, you're I, fucked. Right. Like, maybe you can make a setting, like, if I think this twice, then I'll send it. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that's going to be a thing. But, like, my thing is, it's going to, like, like I, I sound a little bit more traditional, I guess, when I say this. But I think that, you know, this is just going to further um, exacerbate the issue of a lack of human connection and communication. Because you literally do not need to be with anybody anymore if you can reveal your thoughts in that manner if you're not even now using your fingers to actually type the words or even call yeah. right like it's essentially going to create this telep telepathy well yeah you can read people's minds if technology can read the so mind so why do i need to hang out with people different reasons what what i, I mean like i yeah um i mean it's going to decrease it though it's going to decrease it naturally. i'm i'm very much uh, you know my thought process with when it comes to like technological investments is that i i truly believe that like humanity will figure out a way to not let it get to that point i disagree i think that an increased rate of suicide obviously recently is not necessarily suggesting that hmm. i think that we've now started to not, okay, again i'm generalizing but yeah. like the younger generation, like, you know, Pat and I are 27 now, like, we're getting old. We, we were 25 when this podcast started. Um, so now we're just, just aging, you know, rapidly. Um, but kids that are, you know, 10 and under, you know, 12 and under even, 15 and under even, like, all they've – like, they have been accustomed to technology since they were, like, born. Right. Like, they know what the iPhone was yeah, when they were born. born. They're born right. into that. They were born into that. We weren't. So I think that maybe that has some sort of influence on our outlook as well. But – the access that they have to information, the transparency that they have of information um, is just so much and so fast that they don't have to work as hard. They don't have to I disagree with do that as much. Because I feel like they're, look, at the end of the day, they're all going to be born into that. So at the end of the day, the ones that do work hard are going to be more like more successful depending. It's Generally. All, I don't yeah. want to say hard work equals yeah. success, but... Yeah they're going to be closer to achieving that. Their chances are going to be higher. Right. The same way our chances are higher in our, like with yeah. whatever technology that we right. have. I mean, it's, it's kind of relative to, right. It's relative to 
like our like our grandkids are going to be like, wait, what do you mean? Like you actually physically typed something on a device in your pocket? Like right. you didn't just think it and happen? Like it's 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 scary to us, but it, look, what we're doing now was scary to our grand is is scary to our grandparents. Yeah, and like just you know, it took them a while to get adapted to it, and it's going to be the same probably with us. Maybe less so, but because technology has just advanced way way quicker in our right. generation than and that's theirs. the thing, right? So like, if anything, it's just, yeah, that's the thing, man. Um, I'm more I'm more worried about the amount of like information that's being like sh- shared out there and the like veracity of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, like less so about individual efficiency, like becoming more efficient at what you do. Like if technology can help you get a job done half yeah. in half the time that it would have before, then that's great. But yeah. there's obviously going to be societal consequences when it comes to that too. So yeah. it'll be interesting. Yeah, it's definitely, a, I mean, we could probably talk about this topic for like 12 hours. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I would like to talk about it with someone who understands it deeper too. So, yeah. So if you guys know anybody yeah, in this anyone. space, just maybe let after us hours, know. the next after hours, yeah, we'll bring him on to discuss it with us. Um, another, another thing that I think you shared with me like a few days ago was this app called Otis that mm-hmm. apparently just came out. It's yeah. super low key. Yeah. Super low key. At, at least we, at least we think so. Cause we I mean, I think there's too much information on there, but pretty much, uh, what they're doing from kind of what we saw is taking, uh, high value items. So like mm-hmm. very rare high value items like art mm-hmm. or like even like, um, like watches or like super rare things. And right. Uh, basically, what what is it like? A bunch of investors so, coming together and right. So I'm gonna read. So I, I saw a few like tweets about it. Um, me and Pat are like constantly on Twitter. So you know, I follow a bunch of venture capitalists and a bunch of Silicon Valley folks and a bunch of entrepreneurs and whatnot. Um, and so one of them, I guess that I follow, I can't remember who it was at this point. Um, but I guess if I check my retweets, I can probably find out. So it's this app called Otis. O T I S. And um, their whole Samil, I think, had uh, retweeted it, Pat, S-E-M-I-L. Okay. He's an investor in the uh, Haystack Fund, Lightspeed mm. Venture Partner. Mm. Uh, so he's a VC himself. Ben Tossel had also tweeted it. Right. So a bunch of, like, VCs in that space. It has, like, a thousand-something followers on Twitter. And so the founder, Michael uh, Karna John Aprakorn, a really long name. Mm. Um, I think he's uh, some... Asian, Filipino, or Indian, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless, he said, this was on July 9th, um, Otis launches today, every generation has an asset class and we believe ours is culture. We're democratizing access to participate in this new kind of co-ownership. Mm. Um, and then he continues to say, this has been a lifelong mission for me. So this guy's like a lifelong entrepreneur, by the way, Pat. Yeah. And he'll recognize some of these companies, I think. Um, He's he, worked out or he started? That he started. Oh. Uh, so he says, this has been a lifelong mission for me, closing the wealth gap by democratizing access to first learning. So he called, started a company called Skillshare mm-hmm. and then to career opportunities. So he started a company called Behance, yep. which I think you've heard of. Behance. I think we yeah, both heard of Behance. Behance is yeah. huge. It's like a design. Yeah, exactly. Uh, creative work. Yep. yep. And then now investing with Otis. Hmm. So his whole um, premise for his company, so which is interesting. I think it's a interesting, Very interesting. Uh, topic to discuss perhaps is like, a founder with purpose, right? Yeah. Like solving an actual problem, which is democrat, uh, which is uh, solving the wealth gap, mm-hmm. and you know things that the wealthy have access to that perhaps the, you know, lower middle classes don't have access to. Yeah. You know, one thing like that their p- one liner here actually says: yeah. ability to invest in contemporary art, sneakers, and collectibles for as little as twenty five dollars. 
Yeah. So it exactly. sounds like that's what they're starting with, which is kind of like in they're they're all in a similar field where there are like finite items, and this is what StockX yeah. is doing with their platform too, is like the finite stuff. Like Goat, Goat mm-hmm. app is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so pretty much a uh, bunch of investors could list essentially IPO uh, a piece of art or a sneaker Correct. or or a watch or anything that's collectible. And you could also sell your own items as well. Yeah. Um, so I went actually further deeper and I hadn't read this part actually. Michael, the founder, continues to say, we plan on holding five to 10 years, if not indefinitely like a museum. So I believe that they own the art, them and their investors. Mm, okay. Own, so they have their own... They have their own funders, I assume, Interesting. that are buying this. So eventually, you'll be able to buy, sell shares like the stock market. Long-term mission, long-term vision, excuse me, is that we have physical spaces in every city, every major city, and everything is publicly available. Wow. Yeah, because see, that's funny because like StockX did something similar t- yeah. where they did an IPO with I think Ben Baller, who they did like a like a like a, it was like slider slides, um, like slippers. Mm-hmm. And uh, they were essentially IPOing like a product, but it wasn't like one of one. Like I feel like these are like one of ones where it's like a rare item or something where you want to have a piece of it, you can. Kind of like owning a piece of a company. And over time, obviously like art, depending on right. who the artist is and all that stuff, could appreciate. Mm-hmm. More likely than de- than depreciate. Yeah. But it might stay the same. Right, like I mean the yeah. items that they have. So, so far they haven't, they've launched the app but they haven't launched any of the products right. that you can invest in. I think the first soon. one is an art piece that uh, was uh, painted by the same artist that did the um, the mural. Is it called a mural for or the sorry the portrait for Obama mm. uh, when he was the president? Um, and so they have a Rolex Daytona. They have a Supreme skateboard. A few other art pieces. Uh, cause yeah. Um, so so it's very interesting assets, and every asset that is on there has to be qualified by the SEC. So mm. it, it's considered a security. Oh, okay. Essentially, right? So you're investing it. I wonder what I wonder what the like the like the uh, the, the criteria is. The criteria, like yeah, what? I have no idea how how a, how a tangible item can be considered. I have no idea, but honestly, like the more I talk about, it, I would love to get this guy on the podcast somehow. Yeah. Because even though the company I'm is like he's in California, San Francisco, for sure, for sure, yeah. And somebody kept asking him about you know glowing global, and he said glowing global is part of the plan. The biggest challenge that they have is more around regulatory and compliance laws that they have to abide to in every country, i.e. legal fees. Right, because something we talked about offline was like, who, where where are these items stored? Right. Uh, how is that trust built with the shareholders of that? Because like a company is like, I mean, you can look at the company's financials and you can, right. you know, but like in this case, uh, you know, how is that information being shared? How, how, do, how do people know that it's in safe hands? Like, I mean, if they're going to operate like a museum, then I'm, I'm assuming it's going to be stored somewhere that for public visit, you know, visitation or right. something. Well, where- well, also, Otis can sell the asset and the, the shareholders will get the, when once they liquidify, yeah. liquid, uh, liquidify, liquidate, liquidate. Um, the investors will get their share depending on how much the assets appreciate. Right. No, I understand that part. Like, I'm sure that's all going to be like contractual, but like w- when it comes to knowing, like it's not, you mentioned something on museums, right? Like they're going to have probably like a place where you can go and see these items. Like well, anyone can walk in and probably well, see it. Well, at that point, the like amount will be indefinite. Then what would be indefinite? The, if, if eventually they have their own physical spaces and it becomes a museum and this thing becomes massive and that art piece becomes a multi-million dollar art piece, Another way to make money off of this for the user is to sell your shares to other people, hmm. right? So, like resell your shares. I can sell my sh- exactly. So you, I could sell my shares to you. 
So if I bought it at $25 a share, yeah. I see the value going to the 37, but I want to liquidate. You can go and buy it in yeah. for 37. I mean, they would have to establish rules and regulations. Right. I mean, it's, uh, this is so early, by the yeah. way. Like, yeah. It, it, is, it literally just, hasn't even launched yet. It hasn't. Yeah. It, I mean, the app is launched, but not the actual, like, yeah. you can't really do anything. These are these are the things you find when you're just on Twitter all day. Yeah. Scrolling. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but which is great. So, like, if you're ever interested in things like technology, definitely get on Twitter and follow a lot of these venture capitalists. Because yeah. if you really want to know. I mean, they're hearing it firsthand yeah. every day. And this guy's, like, a legit entrepreneur. I mean, the, yeah. he's actually in New York. It says Brooklyn, New York. Okay. Um, but. Yeah, a lot of the companies that he founded are legit. Um, I found the it interesting. Massive, yeah. I, I immediately texted Patrick um, just to kind of check it out, and uh, I signed up. And, and and honestly, it took a while to put my information in. By the really? way, really, I haven't signed yeah. up yet, but I'm going to stay on top of it. And um, in fact, you know, we were, me and Pat were doing research. I think a couple of weeks ago about um, investment, investments, and investing, and all that kind of stuff, and about being a qualified investor. And they ask actually on here. If you are a qualified investor or not, so you can sign up as like an investor or like a spectator. No, no, no. So I, I'm, oh, you I'm, have to be an investor. Yeah, but you don't have to be qualified. Oh, I see, I see. So, so I even screenshot. Can. I screenshot. I don't remember what it was, but there was, um, it, there was an option beyond. Does it just, ask uh, you like your income and all that stuff? Correct. So, okay. accredited investor. Sorry, not qualified. So, mm-hmm. accredited investor is somebody whose income exceeds two hundred thousand dollars or three hundred thousand together with a spouse. Uh, or somebody who has a net worth of over $1 million. Right. Which you typically need to invest in a company. Correct. Like not in the stock market, but in a company. Correct. And yeah. then the other option that they had was, I am not an accredited investor. I acknowledge that my investment in this offering is less than 10% of my net worth mm-hmm. or annual gross income. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you, so they don't really, they don't like weed you out if you're not. Correct. Okay, correct. They might have different offerings for you. I don't know. I didn't put that I'm a... Uh, See, I feel like that's investor. that's where that those uh, like regulations are coming into play. Right. But I feel like they're probably going to eventually lobby because they're going to say like this is not like a traditional security and like because it, it doesn't it's not going to operate. It's a piece of it's a tangible piece of product. It's not well. A, that, that, well, that's the whole thing, right? Giving you access to investments that are not actual stock market investments right. or or actual companies that you must be an an accredited investor for. So there, the 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 reason the 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 way he's solving the wealth gap in this case in terms of solving the wealth gap for people that are investing versus are not able to invest yeah. in other in other markets is by accessibility at such a low cost of $25 a share to um, finite items that may or may not appreciate obviously in value. So again, but these are things that these are things that are not as volatile as stocks. How how Correct. can they how are they Correct. volatile? I mean, I think right? that, like I think they're not that, releasing earnings per share like they're a piece of product that's just as good they as might, what the next person. They might release earnings per share. The way the val- how, how do they value it? The that? way the asset goes up, I'm assuming, is when you're buying and selling. When other the people asset. are buying this, so Correct. so if it's a, but see the, the thing is if it's a one of one, then it can't. It's just right. But what's going to happen is okay. So for example, one of the first RPCs they have is valued at two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Right. They're going to release ten thousand stocks only at twenty five dollars a share. Yeah. Assume 10,000 people buy this share, Mm -hmm. buy the stock, sorry, buy this asset. Now it's capped. Now it's capped? Okay. Do they sell it? No. If you, well, they could, but they're going to stay. I feel like that's, I mean. But they said they're going to hold for five to 10 years. Interesting. So after five to 10 years, if they decide to sell it, then then the (sighs) value of that is just as good as what that person is willing to pay for it. And that's when those people liquidate. You can't. You're not going to be able to liquidate within five to ten years. Then. Well, it's, obviously they're going to do their research and see if it's if if they if they could liquidate in three years. I'm sure they will. Yeah. But the way I'm saying that the assets value increases is because there's a finite amount of shares. 
if somebody wants to buy it and then you want to sell that share, you can now sell for $37. I'm not talking about the shares. I'm talking about the actual piece. I know, but that's what I'm explaining to you. Oh, I see. What will happen as people trade is the value will increase right now. So if half of that $10,000 sells it for $50, now it's increased to... Uh, so in a way, they're, they're putting, on a, putting a price tag on a otherwise very subjective piece of right product because now it's right and right now it's very subjective. It's just right. as good as what the next person wants to pay for it, right? Exactly. Like a piece of art, you know, if someone is bidding forty million dollars on it right. and that's the highest bid, then that's what it's worth forty million dollars. Exactly. But this is more of a indicator of, I guess, what's what it's valued maybe, which Perhaps. is which is huge yeah i mean i think this is just a test for them and i'm sure eventually they're going to launch like i think in general i think in general we uh the resale market as a whole has just been so untapped that now like these companies are coming in and trying to put a put a value on it put a number on it because it's always just kind of been up in the air like you know you want to sell me your yeezys like cool man i'm gonna give you four thousand bucks for it you mean like perfect yeah. And I'm I just valued those easies at four thousand, even mm-hmm. though the person next to me might have gotten it for two thousand dollars mm-hmm. elsewhere. There's no like number, and I think that's what StockX well, is regulations. trying to do. Yeah, exactly. So we'll see what happens. I mean, so if you guys are interested in getting it up, it's called Otis O T I S. Check it out. Um, I think the first drop is August thirteenth, coming um, up. And I said art piece, yeah, coming up. So we're, I'm, I'm interested. I just we wanted to talk about it just because we found out about it and we figured that you know we'll talk about it early and see what happens with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, next thing we wanted to talk about was actually something we briefly talked about on our past uh, after hours segment, which was the uh, downfall and complete failure of uh, Toys R Us yeah. as a, as an organization. Yeah. And then we had a, we had a conversation offline not too long ago mm-hmm. about um, kind of just like I think we had read like something in the news about how they were bought out. Or not bought out, but they like were bought. Yeah, bought by like a private equity firm yeah. and rebranded with another name, which is called True, True Kids. Kids yeah. um, and we're like, I wonder what they're gonna do. And then you had gone to New York. I want you want to tell the story. Yeah. So okay. So real quick, um, went to New York end of May, and um, had a great time. For those that care, um, for those that don't, had a great time. So fuck you. Um, and we visited uh, Hudson Yards, which is in Manhattan, and beautiful beautiful area and there was a mall there the hudson yards mall and um i think it was like six or seven stories i believe seven stories seven story mall yeah it was pretty it was pretty massive i think it was seven stories and retail's Um, dead right yeah well we'll we'll tell you now whether or not it's dead um and we walked into this store called beta b8ta pronounced beta um we later researched that they have 70 plus stores or something like that. mind-blowing yeah across the world um so check it out. I mean, incredible, incredible concept called B Beta B eight T A, and what it was, it was a store, you know, just a physical store. We walked in. It had a little bit of clothing. It had a lot of technology items. Uh, so they had like a you know keyboard that connected to your iPad, and you could type on it. They had coffee makers i mean just a bunch of different technology like for adults yeah exactly well yeah well almost like a toys r us for adults right like toys um but for adults but also clothes and not, the whole not thing, actual adult toys, yeah exactly yeah, adult toys. yeah not sexless <laughs> uh don't get your mind dirty. come on come on founder this is not the sex hour um that's that's only at midnight yeah. um we're not there yet. yeah we're not there yet but the whole thing was a lot of companies that already existed um would they be able to feature their product 
in a retail space. So if you can't afford a retail space in your new company or company that just doesn't have the funding, you could essentially get your items in the store mm-hmm. through, I'm sure, some processes. Consignment maybe and, or something. Well, they're not really selling it there. Oh. Uh, it's more like it's a marketing like a tool. It's like a marketing yeah. tool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So you could buy it, but you have to go buy it either like from their the actual store online. No, you can buy it on their store online or you could go buy it from somewhere else. They don't really give a shit. Um, beta doesn't really care. Um, and so anyway, so I thought it was a fantastic idea and I... I, I immediately thought like this is going to be awesome. Um, a few days after that, we were in Soho and we went to this concept called Showfields, and that was e-commerce stores. Sorry, e-commerce brands, but they had done like a three-story uh, physical showroom. Like so, brands that are just online and you just don't online. have a retail presence. Yeah, like Quip, for example, the toothbrush right. brand that as soon as you guys listen to this podcast and I just said Quip, tomorrow you're probably going to get a Quip ad. Yeah. It's like a toothbrush. Um, so that was there. That a few fashion companies. You mentioned like Cat. Was it Casper? Or no? Cas- uh, uh, there was another mattress yeah, brand there. Yeah. Um, it was the foam one that like gets your like heat temperature or whatever the hell it was. Just things that like would be good for a retail kind of experience, but they don't really well, yeah, have a presence. Most yeah. e-commerce things would be good retail. Yeah, you want to see it before you buy it's it. It's just not yeah. there, right? So, but it was great because it's an introductory way to experience retail and then go buy it elsewhere. Anyways, mm-hmm. I was very into the, both of those concepts. I remember I texted you when I was there as well um, about Showfields. And then when I got back, we were talking about just retail in general and, you know, throughout this whole podcast that we've been doing for the past almost two years, um, you know, everybody's like, oh, retail's dead, retail's yeah. dead. Retail's By the way, dead. there's a beta in Santa Monica too, right? Uh, yeah, we thought we saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're, I think they're. I don't know if they're global. Sorry, I said might. I might have said worldwide earlier. They might be nationwide, but they also might be global. I don't really know. I'm not. I don't remember. Maybe we. We'll, maybe we'll check in a bit. Um. So anyway, so Pat and I were just kind of discussing, you know, retail. Yeah, you came. In you came to my house like at, yeah, shortly after, after yeah, your trip, yeah. and like I don't know how this like thing about Toys R Us came up and retail and. Well, I told you about Beta. Yeah, we watched a few YouTube videos on it, and the founders were like super legit. Actually, the founders. Yeah, I don't remember. Who no, they were. there's like a bunch of them. There's like there's a few bunch of them, founders, and they're yeah. very legit. They have like very, very legit, legit people, backgrounds, yeah. like yeah, like banking yeah. and yeah, private yeah. equity and yeah, this none stuff. in retail. None in retail. Yeah. Maybe maybe one or two. Yeah, I um, remember, yeah. But it was funny. Like I don't know how that, and then and then I don't know how like Toys R Us came into the picture, and we were like, you know, like I wonder this, if this could work with like toys. You know, yeah. like the whole experience. I mean, that's what it is. Like kids yeah. experiencing playing with these right. toys, but they're not sold at the stores. Like why sh- why like Toys R Us should do this? Like right. we're, we were actually having this conversation. Yeah, like it was well, funny. we actually went went as far as saying like. This would be an amazing concept for him and I, like Pat and I, to create. Except we have no experience with toys and no experience with retail. Right, and the whole idea. And I think we talked about how, like, obviously the best toys are the ones that have like a brand behind it. So, like, a lot of these branded merchandise, like through Disney movies or Marvel or things like that, where where, like kids like you know really play with them and want them, uh, and they come with a high price tag. Uh, And we're like, you know, how can we create a space where the parents can come and have a good time, and then um, you know have like these kids go through these like branded experiences right you know like there's like a i don't know like a car's experience there and like a right where you like actually like drive the car or something yeah or, something so like that way like at that point i mean if they want to buy the toy then they can order it online or go to like some for those that can't visualize this right now imagine all the stores after the disneyland rides right mm-hmm. you get out of the ride and there's a store right there right but take it a step further where the toys come to life. Mm-hmm. Like you could experience the toys. So like that's what we were imagining was like several different brands. Like you get out of the Star Wars, right? There's a Star Wars story, right? Like you get right. out of the toys. Uh, the, the whole idea is what makes a parent and kid get off the couch. Right. 
and physically go into the store because the old model of Toys R Us just wasn't working, right? Yeah, I mean, it was too big, like, yeah. I mean, same shitty toys. Just like, too much inventory stored in one yeah. space, not enough foot traffic, no. people are buying shit I mean, online. I guarantee you they were probably spending a fuck ton of money on just the lease itself, and that overhead was probably killing them as well. Right. So I'm sure, you know, they had to That's get rid of that. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So anyways, <laughs> so fast forward, um, now July something, July 21, whatever we are. Um, and uh, so about two months since we had this discussion. And today I read... Well, this, you read this last week. Oh, yeah. I read this last week. <laughs> the original. Um, well, yeah. The original last week. Um, Toys R Us is back. Yeah. They're back with two stores. Um, I don't remember where they were. New Jersey and um, Texas. And they are doing exactly what we said. I mean, like. Literally. Exactly like we said. Literally. It's scary to re- reading that article. They're going to basically allow brands to create their own experiences at their stores. Their stores are going to be smaller in size. They're going to be experiential. And this is where it really gets scary. Beta is the one that's going to be running their stores. That are going to be creating their stores. Who would have thought? It was funny because like we didn't even envision that part. But it was funny that we were talking I mean, about like, the, yeah. like talking about beta and the concept of beta led to us talking about Correct. that concept being applied to the Toys R Us model Correct. and toys. And then we read this thing and that's what's happening, which is right. fucking And nuts. I mean, these guys but had... It makes sense. Like, it yeah, really makes... Like, mean, the fact that, like, we were talking about it, like, yeah. that I'm I'm not surprised that they did this. No. I'm just glad that they did it and they didn't go I'm into, upset. like, a complete... I'm glad that they're back at least. I'm upset that we don't have a piece of it. I'm upset that we didn't do it, but yeah, it's fine. I mean, we would, yeah. What would you have, yeah, in two months. Like. So it says, unlike the rows of shelves that cluttered old toys, old toys R Us stores, the new locations will have interactive and playground-like environments for toy brands. I remember discussing, even, I, I think we literally said the word playground too, um, because our whole idea was we want to get parents to go there, right? Like right. it'll be another another location to take your like kids. Like taking that Chuck E. Cheese concept with like yeah, the Toys R Us concept and like merging them together. Yeah. It just was the only thing that like made sense. And so- um, and, and this was like when we read that they were completely out of business. So we're like, damn, wouldn't it be nice if they came back like this? Yeah. <laughs> and by the way, it said that Toys R Us still has 900 stores opening in Europe, Asia, and India and plans to open another 70 stores overseas, mostly in Asia by the end of 2019. And so, by the way, these two concepts are coming back in at the end of 2019 before Christmas. Yep. So quick. And they said that by the end, by in a few years, they're going to launch in every major U.S. city. So I'm sure they're going to be back in L.A. and New York and everywhere else that they were. And so they're I'm pretty excited about it. Yeah, me too. I mean, it's going to be smaller apparently than. Yeah, it's going to be smaller. Before they had yeah. those massive warehouses. Yeah. Like, yeah. And the whole warehouses weren't small. I mean, they were massive. Yeah. Which was what, that's what I'm saying. They probably had the whole distribution center in the right. back and everything like that. So this is going to be more of like inventory. a playground, I think, that yeah. it doesn't necessarily yeah. have. Like, they're not going to have an inventory there. It's going to be exactly like a beta store where you can yeah. play with the toys. You could play, like, I was playing with the toys and the gadgets and all that stuff. And then you could go online and buy it. And I think even cooler would just be literally if they put a, you know, like a barcode, QR code or whatever, and you just scan your damn phone to, for the parents. And it just ships And it's it already you. bought. Next day, it's already at your door. Yeah. And your it's got to be quick. Toys, toy, for sure. shipping for toys. Sure. I mean, that, for sure. that's the thing. Like, the kids want toys, like, right then and there. Like, remember right. Toys R Us? Like, I would literally, like, People would, I just remember, what I remember from Toys R Us is just everyone crying. Like all the, a bunch of kids <laughs> crying, just crying that they couldn't get the toys, right? Yeah. But imagine you're getting the toy, like, do you want to fucking wait two days? Right. Like when you got a toy, you felt so good just picking right. it up and taking it home and playing with it right then and there. So I'm going to be, I'm curious as to how this is going to work. I think we were talking offline, like if they were to partner with an Amazon or yeah. somewhere that has a distribution center. Well, they can get rid of, they could 
I don't know what they're gonna do with this, but if I were them, I would completely get rid of my entire inventory. I wouldn't pay. I wouldn't pay for an extra another five ten thousand square foot to carry inventory. So it's gonna I, be more so like I would. I would. I would either contract it out or I would. I would start another company within Toys R Us that is solely a distribution company, a distribution center, and yeah. launch my own service or something like that that only does that and don't, don't even purchase anything in store and eliminate the need for humans number one to check out yeah. just to have somebody manning each like experience or whatever the hell it may be and that's it just create lower overhead i think i think that yeah. number one for one of the biggest problems for retail also, also, is high overhead also i feel like if that's like the kids that are being born today yeah if that's all they know it's huge it's big because they're they they're not going to be used to. They're not going to remember Toys R Us dying. They, well, no, they're not going to be used to having the toy right then and there yeah. because right they're now not. they're used to ordering it online and waiting for it to they're, show and up. I already think about so it. So in I this mean, case, I may, yeah, maybe 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 it makes it's not going to matter as much. No, because think about and it. And it's going to create hype. It's going to create demand. Think about it this way: kids these days already see Amazon boxes at their parents' front doorsteps every fucking other day, right? So like they're used to the fact that they're unboxing and stuff. Mm. Speaking of fucking unboxing, Ryan's toy. With, I mean. God damn, that fucking kid is just like a fucking animal. He's going to be a billionaire next time we have a They just announced present. today that he made $80 million. He's, he, sorry, his net worth is $80 million. You guys know what that is? He's eight years old. He's playing with toys. He's made $10 million a fucking year of his life. Playing with toys. Not even playing. He's unboxing them. He's not even fucking playing. Dude, play, bro. Go fucking play with your toys, Ryan. So shit, dude. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if his wealth multiplies at twice of what it like every year doubles he'll be a billionaire. He'll be a billionaire before 18 he can't even access his money right now i'm just trying to have kids right now because i want my kid to unbox toys imagine the demand ryan's created for like parents and marriages oh yeah people are gonna be like, let's get fucking married and have an influence your child let's just have kids like right now the condom industry is dying <laughs> <laughs> so yeah so yeah toys r us is back I'm, speaking I'm of condoms i saw someone on twitter today say uh <laughs> i have no idea where this is going oh he, he said uh, uh the perfect condom commercial would be just like a live feed of parents with their kids at a restaurant <laughs> just like how crazy that shit is <laughs> that, that would be the perfect condom commercial like right like that's this is exactly genius. a live feed just a live feed just like Olive, Gar- I just, I just see like an Olive Garden Trojan collab, like Olive Garden, like noodles being thrown, like exactly, just like breadsticks. This like is what having everything. kids looks like. Yeah. Sponsored by Trojan, but like Con- real people, real people, like a real oh, like live like a, a live feed, a live feed. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I mean, you could also manufacture it; it'd be even funnier. But yeah, that too. Huh, yeah. That's a good idea. Good I don't idea. know whoever that was on Twitter. Shout out to you. Yeah, shout out to all the tweeters. Um, yeah, I mean, I love Twitter. Honestly, Twitter's great. Twitter's great. Um, Do we have anything else to discuss? Did you want to talk about the uh, the big idea? Oh, totally forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, by the way, that Toys R Us thing was wishful thinking. It's not real. No, I'm just kidding. It's real. Just kidding. It's real. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, if we did this podcast or this after hours like two months ago, we we might have <laughs> we might have honestly said it was fake. We would have said it was fake. Yeah, I mean, we essentially. I mean, like, I don't remember which after hours it was, but I remember discussing Toys R Us. I think we also said back then that what we would have done is experiential. And that's yeah. when we talked about Ryan as well. Right. And we said we would just give Ryan as the... I would, I would honestly, if right now, if I'm Toys R Us, yeah. I would make Ryan my thing, so, so spokesperson. So pretty much what we're trying to say is if you're a failing brand and you know you're failing, just hit us up because... <laughs> we'll predict your future. Um, or at least help create it. Too. Yeah. So, um, right. Okay. So, yeah. I remember what we were going to talk about. You want me to start talking about yeah, it? Yeah. Let's do it. Um, do you want me to pitch my idea? What do you want me to do? Well, uh... You were, tell, how did this thing come about? Okay, so the way this thing came about was um, 
I was listening to this podcast called Robin Hood Market Snacks Daily. It's like a 12 to, minute po- 12 to 15 minute podcast. It's not an ad, which it was. Um, and um, they essentially kind of give their, it's like two dudes that give their opinion about the stock market and stocks and companies. Really cool. I listened to it on the morning. Like us? Drive. Exactly. <laughs> Except I listened to it on every, I listened to it on non-Mondays since mm. I listened to the founder on Mondays. Um, and it's great. So anyways, the last time I listened to it, they were talking about Turo, T-U-R-O which is a car sharing company, which is different than, it's different than Uber and Lyft. So essentially the way Turo works is I have a car, I own a car and they have this statistic that cars are parked like 90 to 95% of the time. Hmm. So other people, whether it's tourists or other folks that are working in the area can rent my car. They pay you. They pay me to rent my car. Turo is essentially the brokering service like Airbnb. Who assumes liability. Turo provides insurance mm. to the person who's renting the car. Huh. So I won't be liable for it. For Do you have to pay for that insurance? I'm sure know? it's a part of yeah. the package or whatever it may be. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting idea. I wonder if they incentivize people to do that I'm sure. by giving them a better I'm insurance sure. rate. I'm sure. Um, and I'm Why sure they're working idea. with insurance companies. Yeah, it's, it's a great idea. Yeah. I think I, I like it. Honestly, I like it a little more than Uber and Lyft um, because I don't have the liability as a driver to drive that car. And if my car gets damaged, then it's on you. Um, again, I'm interested. I want to look into it more to see if I actually want to participate as like a person that owns a yeah. car. But anyways, um, so they raised about a few hundred million dollars recently. They're valued at a billion dollars. Wow, the only state that they're banned around for a while though, right? Yes, but I don't know how long they're all in all 49 states. I see ads all the time. All the time. Do you? I've never seen it, but I'm yeah. sure I'll see it now. I said they're in all 49 states. They're in, not in all 50 states. Mm-hmm. They're in 49 states except New York because New York was not able to provide that insurance um, in terms of insuring the uh, drivers or the renters of that car. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so while I was listening to this, I was thinking about a bunch of different things that can be shared, right? You know, we have Airbnb, we have Uber, we have Turo, uh, Pat and I know, know somebody that does like food sharing almost, like mm-hmm. cooking sharing or whatever. And so something that I thought about the sharing economy, the sharing yeah. economy, exactly. And there's a bunch of other companies as well. Um, you know, the, the companies that don't own anything themselves, right? Like mm-hmm. the Facebooks and Airbnbs and Reddits of the world. Um, and so I remember Pat had always talked about apparel and clothing and, you know, just having access to more clothing. And I remember he always used to talk about like, you know, having like your clo- sharing your closet in terms of like seeing what's in your closet and the people seeing what's inside your closet. And so I was thinking about, you know, clothing sharing, like closet sharing almost. Um, and so, um, what was the company's name that I wanted to call it? Off your back. Off your back. Like I'll take it off your back. Um, <laughs> and the whole thing is like, you know, Pat kind of added this on and I'll let you say it like the whole, like, you know, the finite stuff or like things that are not as accessible or whatever. It may yeah. Be. Yeah. Like, I mean, if you want like a regular black Hanes shirt, then I mean, you can probably just go buy it yourself right. and you probably don't want to wear someone else's sneaky right. shirt, but, uh, there are shirts and clothes. I mean, I don't want to just say shirts, but like hats and shoes and things that, you know, people local to you might have that, you know, you might want to wear here and there yeah. just like, you don't want to buy it right. or maybe it might be expensive uh, you might want to just rent it out from them, and that could be a good way to just make money off of the clothes that you have, right? Um, yeah. And then someone could essentially wear like like I think what we were saying is like why should you be limited 
to what's in your closet. Right. Like, why not be able to like wear other stuff and or just rent other stuff? Like the, the same way you can go rent like a suit right. for like a wedding. Like you're not gonna go buy a suit for right. like one I mean, wedding. You could, but you, you can. But like, bucks, yeah, like. If you can, it's another the, and the reason this makes sense for me is like it goes to that oldest idea that we talked about it almost helps with the wealth gap mm-hmm. right it solves accessibility to things that yeah you can't afford exactly like if a kid wants to wear like a supreme shirt out to like a right. party or something yeah. and doesn't have the money or doesn't want to go spend two three hundred dollars on right. it but there's someone in his neighborhood right who's a kid that has that item yeah I mean, maybe that kid who has the item doesn't want to. That that's that's to, up to them, right? To list it. Like, do they? I'm saying, like, do they need? Like, I think the sharing economy is like a lot of folks who might need the money do it. So I don't know if like the people that have the high value. Not necessarily. Items would, not necessarily. Yeah. I mean, it's an extra way to make money for something that's just right. sitting there, right? Like, yeah, a car sitting that, there, ninety eight for five. That's too. It's like it's like your clothes like, are not. They're just hanging there. Yeah, like like there are items in your wardrobe that actually like it's kind of this it's like it's like this thing where the most expensive items are the least used right right like you might have a really expensive like shirt but you don't want to flex all day wearing it yeah. so like you barely wear it yeah or there like could a be nice a lot of value something yeah and it's a it's a good way of like in a way investing in a piece of clothing mm-hmm. and making your money back for sure right like hey uh i just you know let's say i'm at the like we went to the flea market rose bowl flea market mm-hmm. right and great experience love that place mm-hmm. um and there was like this like i don't know like band tee like metallica band tee was like a hundred dollars right right i didn't get it because i was like bro like 100 bucks on a t-shirt yeah. i'm not down right now but um maybe if like i bought it and i had this platform to like let other people wear it here and there for like 10 bucks i could make it back yeah. And and some, if it's a nice shirt that people like, you know, I don't know. It's a good idea. It's a it's combination really of the oldest idea too, because like, you're essentially as the person renting this, you're like wearing investing in that for a day or two days or whatever it is for, like right, like if you're gonna go on a you know seven day, you know wedding trip or something, I don't know, and you want to like have like some cool wardrobe that you didn't have access to before. You could even buy a bundled up wardrobe based on sizing and all that. I mean, I obviously I have no fucking clue how this is going to work. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just think the idea is like pretty decent. I think it's something that is very hard to scale, which is why I like it. Um, and also, I think what can happen down the line with something like this, the more I think about it, is it can become a marketplace for clothing, both buying, selling, trading, or whatever it may be. So to complete your wardrobe, like whether it's other companies that would launch on this and then eventually they could be companies that are only companies that you could borrow from for a day or whatnot, kind of like what Rent the Runway does, but mm-hmm. with existing brands. Mm-hmm. But perhaps that's an add-on element to this uh, idea that can happen down the line in later iterations or what whatnot. Um, but I think that clothing is something that is just so – there's so many companies that are doing it. Um, I think a lot of clothing companies would not be happy about who, this idea, who obviously. Are, who are creating – like who are – Brands that are selling clothing, yeah. yeah, they wouldn't be happy about it, obviously, especially big brands. Uh, but again, Rent the Runway is killing it, right? Yeah. Like, you know, they're taking clothing, then they're purchasing, and then I mean, very expensive items, mm-hmm. and they're then rent. You're renting it for yeah. like hundreds of sometimes right. thousands of dollars, right? right? Like so, a four thousand dollar yeah. dress. So they're yeah. essentially doing clothing sharing, but right. not with people that own the clothing. Yeah, they exactly. It. And it, yeah, it's not as democratized. Correct. Yeah. So. I don't know. I think there's something there. I, I would do it. I, th- I think I would do it. If somebody had, for example, a Tom Ford suit in my size and in my area or even had to pay shipping or whatever for it, I would do it. 
I would do it because it's going to cost significantly less than buying a Tom Ford suit. Right? Yeah. You could even start in a niche market like that. Mm-hmm. Right? You don't have to start off doing everything. Um, obviously, there's certain things like, you know, underwear and stuff you're not going to share ideally. It's kind, yeah. of, kind, of, kind of weird. Yeah. Um, again, there's weirdos out there. If Teach they want to do that, then <laughs> as long as we have this company and I make money off that brokering, brokering that deal. So are we, are we like, are we keeping this on the podcast or are we taking this out? Because like. I mean, I don't know. It depends. Um, it's up to you. You know, you're the one editing it, so you can take it out. All right. Well, let us know what you think, guys. If this is a good idea or not, or to just take the idea yeah. and run with or it. Or if you want to help build it with us. <laughs> or that. Hit us up at pat at offyourback.com and polish at offyourback.com. Yeah. Those emails are going nowhere. <laughs> Love it. That was, that, was, that was kind of wishful thinking in a way. Wishful thinking is this it thing was, that we do yeah. where we come up with some random idea and we just say it's fake, but like, I kind of like it. But it's not always fake. Sometimes it's just wishful thinking. Right. You know, it's like, it's oh, it's wishful thinking. Like, that, that might not happen. But then, and then you have Ryan's fucking toy making fucking $80 million. Like, or like, I mean, like, if I told you guys two years ago that there would be a fucking yeah. kid named Ryan who was six, who would be worth $80 million selling toys, you'd be like, you're a fucking retard. Or like the time we came up with a shoe for Barack Obama and he ended up having his own like Tracking. rag and bone jacket. Like that was pretty close. Or the time where we literally brought back Toys R Us and oh, yeah, they literally came back. The only thing that hasn't come true yet is uh, Jeff Bezos' uh, Jeff Bezos's Amazon. Buying the Amazon. Which for sure, by the way, is going to happen. It's going to happen. It's just it's a matter of time. The Amazon. If he didn't go through that divorce, it might have happened sooner. But bro, it doesn't even matter. Let him get divorced again. He'll still have more money than most people. I heard, by the way, speaking of billionaires, uh, the LVMH guy became like the second richest yeah. man in the world. Yep. Because he owns everything, right? What's everything. His name Richard Bernalt or Arnold. Arnold. Something yeah. like that, yeah. Arnold, yeah. Whatever. Um, so we did this thing recently. We'll end it off with this about what our favorite companies are and why. So we want to hear from you guys. Uh, what are your favorite companies and why? Yeah. Create a video on, just shoot like a story video or something on. Yeah. Instagram and tag us at the founder hour and then we'll share it. Uh, curious to hear what you guys think. Yeah. And then, you know, maybe it, just, it turns out, it, it turns out to be a guest or future guest of the yeah. podcast, which would be cool too. So. And even, you know, it's, it's, yeah, fuck it. I'm going to incentivize this even more. So this is what you got to do. We're going to create a contest out of it. I don't really know how the contest is going to work. So do a video, 15 second video on Instagram stories. Tell us your favorite company and why. And tag the founder hour, like Pat said. If we haven't had the founder of that company on our podcast yet, we will do our best to get that person. And if we do, you will be at that recording with us. Oh, I love that. I love that. Great. Which, honestly, hey, if you guys pick Amazon and Jeff Bezos fucking comes on the podcast, you're fucking welcome, Jesse. <laughs> I don't know who Jesse is, but, you know. Love Jesse. it. Yes. All right. We're going to put this on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, that's what that's what we'll do. Yeah, I think I send think, us a video. Se- tell us who your favorite company is. We'll do our I best to get them. Yeah, and I mean, if you want to try to help us get them too, yeah. great. If you try to get, if you try, <laughs> if you help us get it, you will be one of the co-hosts that day. Great. We'll have to get another microphone. <laughs> Bring your own microphone. B Y O M. B Y O M. All right, this is another episode of the Founder Hour After Hours. We'll see you guys. He's next Pat. Week. I'm Posh. I'm Pat. Follow us at the Founder Hour again. See you guys next week.